getting sick, guys. This might take a minute. <laughs> I have a lot that of should, should, this should be the cold open. It's that's just going. <laughs> You're listening to Chaos on the Set, a chaotic film and TV review podcast. You have your usual crew reassembled today to cover the most important movie of the year. Um, I'm Shruti. I'm Mike. I'm Kate. And today we are covering the movie I have been so eager to record about since this past May. It has been in development for the past 12 years. Uh, it waited 1,050 days from its initial release to actually premiere in theaters. Since then, it's been named the National Board of Review's Best Film of 2022. It's been nominated for a Critics' Choice Award. It won a People's Choice Award, and it's certainly in the running to get a Best Picture nomination at the Oscars. It's finally time for us to discuss Top Gun Maverick. <laughs> 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 Uh, Y'all know I love this movie and, you know, I think there's just so much franchise fatigue these days with all people getting kind of sick of the Marvel movies coming out, people wanting Star Wars movies to become scarce again. Well, they got their wish on that. But this movie coming out being like an anticipated sequel and actually hitting the mark and being just a great thrill ride fills me with so much joy. Like it's not one of the movies coming out right now that are about the magic of the movies, but it makes me so excited about movies. But anyway, y'all know that I am very thrilled to discuss Top Gun Maverick. I would love to turn the mic over to you. What did you guys, how did you feel about the movie? Loved it. Seen it several times in theaters. So happy got a re-release in it performed as as well as it did um i mean the movies are back that is literally that was i feel like the statement that this film was making and i know i'm and we can talk about it later i know i'm a bigger fan of the original top gun than both of you are um and i think this one is like so much better even than the original um and that's what i love about it it's a sequel that is extremely unnecessary like it's not something that necessarily had to be made it's been what probably almost i think it's what, 36 30, years i was gonna say 35 so 36 years since the original came out um and it's not like everyone was clamoring for like oh we need more top gun we need more tom <laughs> cruise and maverick but the the way that they just executed it so perfectly in, in the rarity, really, of a sequel being better, I think, than the original. That's not a common thing that happens with film, um, is reason to love it even more. And even though he is a psycho and <laughs> he is a Scientologist and has probably done some bad things, God, I just, you gotta love Tom Cruise. He's, the, the psycho makes it better, honestly. I love that he's a little <laughs> psycho nuts. makes it better. I, yes. 100%. Kate, I want to hear your thoughts too, but because Mike kept talking about how it compares to the first one, and I genuinely, I watched the original Top Gun the week before I went to see Maverick because I thought I should, but I didn't care for it. I was like, this is fine. Yeah. But the review that, or this is not even a review, this is just a tweet that came out when the review embargo or the social embargo for Top Gun Maverick lifted and the hype machine started that not only is this a legacy sequel that 
you know, you didn't really need, but this is a legacy sequel you will be thrilled to watch. And I saw David Ehrlich, a critic from IndieWire, who actually won Critic of the Year this past year. He tweeted after Top Gun Maverick social embargo released, Top Gun Maverick is a much, much better movie than Top Gun. I'm not talking the difference between Paddington 2 and Paddington 1. That, that's, that's what he tweeted. I would not want to call it Paddington 1, but he called it Paddington 1. Anyway, I'm not talking the difference between Paddington 2 and... Paddington 1. I'm talking the difference between Paddington 2 and Morbius. And when I read that tweet, I was like, I am ready to see this movie. And it did not disappoint. That is a disservice to the original Top Gun. It is much better than Morbin time. Come on. Top Gun 1 sucks ass. Sorry. No. Top Gun Gun is iconic. Is it a great film? Like filmmaking wise? No, no. Is it a great film plot wise? No, maybe not even that, but it's the iconic nature of it. And it's the need for speed. It's <laughs> like, I don't know. It's a great, great movie. And just a lot of fun. But well, Kate, I mean, what's... over. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, sorry. Go you go, Kate. No, 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 no. You can say what you're going to say. I was just going to say what's remarkable about Top Gun Maverick is that not only is it a joy to everyone who was enthralled by the original Top Gun and made them love movies and the need for speed and everything, but for people like me and Kate, who genuinely didn't really care about the original movie, but were obsessed with Top Gun Maverick. I mean, I saw Top Gun Maverick the weekend it premiered, Memorial Day weekend. The second weekend, my friend was like, hey, have you seen Top Gun Maverick yet? And I was like, yeah, I have tickets to go this weekend. Do you want to come? And I just brought him with me because I had to go see the next day. My friend that I went to see with opening weekend went again the next day. Like, it's just the kind of movie you watch and you're genuinely excited to rewatch it to the point where when I visited Kate in New York and Kate was like, do you want to go see Top Gun Maverick? And I was like, I've already seen it twice, but hell yeah, I'll go see it a third time. Well, I think the reason that we went to see it is because it was all... Shruti was talking about all summer because we went and saw it in August. So it came out in May and I didn't see it all summer because quite frankly, like when I started seeing the promotions for Top Gun Maverick, I was never going to see it because A, I don't care for Tom Cruise or anything that he does. Maybe except like Rain Man. And then B- (laughs) Rain Man's great. Rain Man's a good movie. Yeah. And then B, I am just not a fan of military movies. And I tend to think that a lot of military movies that are made in this country are propaganda and it kind of just like turns me off. I don't. Oh, love this that. is this is super. Propaganda. This is propaganda. I know. And it it's Which great. we should say all military movies are inherently propaganda yeah. because yes. in order to use the U.S. military's um, equipment, they need to get their stamp of approval after producing it, which is not it's not just doesn't come just down to, you know, making the U.S. military look amazing, but like granular things like in. Top Gun in this Top Gun franchise, Maverick can be the only person to defy orders because they don't want it to seem like people in the military defy orders. Or even in the original Iron Man, when they also use military equipment, um, there was a scene or a line of dialogue where somebody does something really cool and somebody responds like, damn, I would kill myself to do something like that. And the military (laughs) were like, no, you can't make it seem like people are willing to commit suicide in order to do cool shit. We don't want to send that message. So it's, they're very particular about the things they cut and endorse. But at the end of the day, anything you see is endorsed by the military. Right. I almost think it's better that this film is so heavy on the propaganda because it's like, you can just ignore it. You can just ignore it. Like it's not being shy about, it's not cutting any corners and it's like, okay, I can just have a fun time watching this and also understand they're spending like $700 billion on the military is probably too much. So we can just take this for what it is. God, are the characters just awesome. Am I right? <laughs> yes. Oh, 100%. Um, 
And yeah, so I would like to point out, I wasn't just like out of the blue, let's go see Top Gun Maverick. I was like, (laughs) Shruti, I know you're going to be in the city. I know that you're foaming at the mouth to go see this again. I will go watch it with you. Also, it's 100 degrees that weekend. So we needed warm weather. Actually, it rained the day we went to see Top Gun Maverick. It did rain. We got caught. Yeah, we got caught in the rain running to see Top Gun Maverick. I wiped out. I wiped out. (laughs) I ate shit on the sidewalk like near Union Square in the pouring rain. And when we went to go watch Top Top Gun, I was like damp. (laughs) And I thought I was going to have a miserable time because I was damp. But then the movie was just fantastic and I forgot all about that. And then I would like to point out too, and I was telling Shruti this earlier this week, but the day that, the first day that I saw Top Gun, which was when that day was Shruti, I had plans to talk to my ex um Who at the later time later that day who was like at that time my boyfriend because we were having some problems and we met in Union Square Park right after the movie and he proceeded to break up with me and I was on the subway after that kind of like really upset about that but then I remember this thought came over me where I went well, at least I got to see a really good fucking movie with my friends. Yeah. <laughs> and it made Top me Gun feel and better. Tom Cruise got you through it. He said, don't <laughs> on, think, just do. Honestly, on a what could have been a very, very, what was kind of a horrible day, I think back and I go, but that was the day I got to see Top Gun Maverick for the first time. And God, was that great. <laughs> so, okay, let me, let me ask you, because Shruti yes. mentioned going to see Top Gun like or watching Top Gun like a week or a few days before Top Gun Maverick. When did you when did you see Top Gun for the first time? I was the opposite. I Wait, you watched it after? Yes. Oh shit. With your dad, right? With my dad. So Okay. I only just watched the first Top Gun uh, uh, during Thanksgiving break when yeah. I was home well, see, in Massachusetts. Okay. I understand why you really dislike it then because <laughs> it is not as good as Top it's Gun Maverick. So good. watching it retroactively is kind of just like, you know, meh. And yeah. then also, you know, for, for Shruti watching it, you know, a few days or a week ahead of time, obviously you get – more of the subtext, I suppose, of like watching the film and understanding it. Um, But like for me, what what I really loved and one of my favorite things about Top Gun Maverick was how it treated the original. Like I had seen the original Top Gun a few times um, over the course of the the past couple of years prior to watching Top Gun Maverick and, and I'd already enjoyed it as a film. So when... I sat down in the theater to watch Top Gun Maverick for the first time. It was literally like a transcendent magical experience <laughs> when when the opening credits rolled and it's like, you know, it's it really the opening it's credits like the are like same a, text, a carbon copy of the, the, same, of the yeah, first one. It is. When that fucking Kenny Loggins starts playing in <laughs> those dudes on the on the um on the ship are like shooting off the jets and high-fiving and shit. Like I was losing my mind. And I think that's what, <laughs> as a sequel, just in general, a, a film sequel, part of what Top Gun Maverick does so well is that it really uses the nostalgia um, in 
very important ways and in clever ways without overdoing it, right? Like I think the way they handled the Iceman was was wonderful um, and Maverick's whole whole persona and things like that. But it wasn't like slamming you over the head with callbacks to the original. It was it was the perfect mix, in my opinion. And I think something that's interesting is I think the movie can stand alone without anyone ever seeing the first one. I mm. my enjoyment of Top Gun Maverick was not diminished in any way because I hadn't seen Top Gun. I basically read the summary of the actually no I didn't even do that all I knew was that Top Gun was about Tom Cruise in the 80s flying planes and then I saw this movie Top Gun Maverick and it was very simple and it was very easy for them to just be like yeah Maverick lost his friend in the 80s during the first movie now here's his son and they have problems boom you're you're in you're in the plot that's all you need and then with the Iceman thing it's like they were rivals. Then they turned into friends. Yeah. And now see, he's I dying. Will say <laughs> the one thing, and I, because this is a Top Gun Maverick podcast, not Top Gun. So I don't want to keep right. rehashing the original. Right. I mean, but the last, hand hand. the last thing I'll say about the original is, and I know I've talked to both of you about this before, but there really is, if you watch the Tarantino clip oh my from God. the movie Sleep With Me, where he talks about the script for Top Gun in the subtext about how it's about a man's struggle with his own homosexuality. And you view it like that, and the Iceman and Maverick are gay. It is completely different, completely different. But you know what would have made the movie better? If they fucking kissed and made out at the end, but they didn't. Exactly. I should say, um, I Mike, I cut you off before, but um, and then everything froze. So, um, but I just wanted to hammer home the point that the intro for Top Gun and Top Gun Maverick are the same, except in the Top Gun, the original Top Gun movie, it says like the fighter pilot school was created for, to make the best men in the military, and in the sequel <gasps> says men and women. Yeah. So they did change it. I want to ask y'all, like, I know at the end of the day, we're all huge fans of this movie. It's just a very fun time. And it's also just a very fun, dumb time. Like, I I don't want to insult anyone's opinion. Like, listen, I'm the biggest fan of this movie, but they just spell everything out for you so clearly. Like, the difference between Top Gun and Top Gun Maverick is, like, Top Gun is, for me, it feels like hijinks, 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 gutting, depressing death. Weird and then battle sexual sequence, scenes. graduation. Yeah. And there's some weird sexual scenes interspersed. Whereas Top Gun Maverick, they tell you the mission and they tell you what are the stakes of the mission and they tell you what are the hindrances and obstacles you're going to experience for the mission. And then they rerun that mission so many times that you know exactly what it is. And then when you watch it, it still fulfills those expectations of thrill. And then you get the final moment that you weren't expecting right at the end of the movie with Rooster and Map together. And all of that is so, so fun. But do you ever feel like it just feels like they're spelling things out for you too much? Let me let me give you an example. Like, yeah, I told my friends after I watched Top Gun Maverick, I was like, you need to be able to 
watch this movie and in the beginning of the in the trailer of the movie right if you can watch the trailer of the movie and where phoenix says like everyone here is the best there is who the hell are they going to get to teach us if you can watch that and instead of rolling your eyes just be like it's whatever it's going to be a fun time you'll still like this movie and when I first watched the movie right when in the beginning of the movie you have Maverick go through a weird Mach 10 sequence where he's basically flying through the air in a fighter jet and you cut to a man that goes he's the fastest man in the world and when I first watched the movie opening weekend in in, uh, the prime theater AMC Birmingham 16 I laughed I was like ha 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 the second time I watched the movie in the exact same seat in the prime theater, the AMC Burbank 16, this following weekend, I got emotional when he <laughs> said that line. And then it cuts to like this very gorgeous sequence of, oh, of like, Cruise the in, like the aerial shot. Mm. And I'm like, what is this gorgeous? So I almost got slowly brainwashed by the American military <laughs> while watching this movie because the first time I laughed at that line, and the second time I got emotional over that line, but at the end of the day, even if you laugh at that line or get emotional at that line, I think you still have a fun time watching this movie. Like you can ignore that clunky exposition and still have fun. Yeah, a hundred percent. I will say like on my most recent viewing, um, that particular scene with Phoenix saying, who's going to teach us that, that stuck out to me probably mm-hmm. more, more than anything when I was watching it. And it was just like, it was fine because I was like, it's really just hammering home the whole, you know, Maverick being this persona, being this, this guy, the best there was. Um, It's just really like laying into his legacy. And I think it's equally like the parallels of, of this film in Maverick as a person with reality and like Tom Cruise being a crazy ass, does his own stunts, movie star, bringing the movies back, like everything that he put into this, you know, and really going and doing that real life training, riding in the jets, facing those G-forces. Like there is a lot of parallel, I think, between like the reality and the meaning within the film itself. Like it's, it's, it's a mirror in my eyes. And I think that's, what is also emotional about it. Like it, you get into it um, based on this character and this story, but also like as a lover of cinema, like how do you mm-hmm. not enjoy this movie so much for those reasons? I going back on exposition and maybe the exhibition, the exposition being a little clumsy or too on the nose. Cause I will say some of the dialogue in this movie. Yeah. It's pretty on the nose, right? And we, we were taught, at least in my screenwriting classes, my professor used to, in truth that you were in this class, um, Professor Frame used to teach us like, don't write the dialogue directly with what the characters mean, use subtext, use, you know, kind of don't just say, I'm going to do this, or I'm asking this question. You kind of want to make it more like how people actually talk day to day. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. More subtext. Right, sub- but th- there should be subtext to the scene. Your text should not be also the subtext. Yes. But if you can write a script that is just so tight and so enjoyable and fast paced, and even if it's not like a deep movie, if it's just a fun movie, 
then I can ignore that exposition. Um, and again, I'm going to bring up my other favorite movie, but Paddington 2 is <laughs> like Top Gun Maverick, where you've got this British bear being like, we should love everybody. And like, oh no, I can't go to prison. I'm, I'm going to make everyone happy here. Whatever, right? Like, oh, don't use your fists, use your words, right? Whatever. <laughs> like, yes, it's so like on the nose with what they want you to f- come out of the theater feeling. But if they do it correctly, it's a blast, right? Mm-hmm. If it's just executed correctly, I do not care if the dialogue is an award-winning deep complex dialogue i don't care if i'm like i just love the fact that i'm smiling and whooping at good morning aviators this is your captain speaking because like yes it's it's kind of corny but it's such an enjoyable movie that i overlook that you know i fully agree i think the exposition is fine like it it just 100 percent works for me the same way it works for you kate the parts where I bump against it, it's always Phoenix dialogue. Like, I feel like she's given almost the hardest job, you know, when they first like all the walk token the- female. Yeah. yeah, she's she's the she is definitely the token female in the crew. Um, when they all first walk into the bar and you meet Hangman for the first time, she mm-hmm. does the clunky exposition of saying, you're looking at the only man in the air- Navy to have a confirmed air-to-air kill. Like, <laughs> who the fuck cares? But like, mm-hmm. they care, you know, they need it to be in the exposition. Um, Or like when they're doing the training exercise for the first time and Rooster sacrifices himself oh, so yeah. two other people die and they're like, it should be us down here. And she's like, yeah, well, now you know a little about Rooster. Should be us down there. But it's not. And now you know a little something about Rooster. Okay, come on. Like, um, you don't I, need to tell us that you're doing character development right now. And I honestly feel bad that she had to deliver those lines. But yeah. those are those are my nitpicky things. Like, I can get over that and still love this movie. Yeah, unrelated. But I wish they could have just like, oh, well, this is hard because I love John Hamm. But like one of those instructors at Top Gun could have been a woman but they yes they put in a token they I love that there was two kind of friend groups at the Top Gun school of the students and they had one female in each one yeah I mean this movie definitely does not pass the Bechdel test no I did um I wanted to share what I think is the worst line of the movie (laughs) another phoenix line if y'all have me this I just I wish they cut this out in the movie this is the very end of the movie where Maverick and Rooster have successfully touched back down and survived and Hangman and Rooster share their moment. They shake hands and, you know, agree that they do deep down love each other. And then Phoenix says this and I'm like, like I genuinely, when I took my fourth time watching the movie, (laughs) when I took my twin sister to see this movie, I was dreading this line because I knew she would roll her eyes at it. Shot yourself another kill. That makes two. Mav has five. Makes him an ace. <laughs> Just to recap in case that, you know, the audio is unclear because the score is swelling in a very impactful moment. Well, Rooster tells Hangman, you got yourself another kill because as Phoenix has explicitly told us already, he is the only pilot with a confirmed air-to-air kill. He's gotten himself another kill. And then for some reason, Phoenix has to say, Mav has five makes him an ace like 
<laughs> the penultimate line of dialogue spoken during that scene. The only other thing that it cuts to Rooster going to Maverick and, you know, saying Captain Mitchell, sir, and they hug and then the music swells again, which is good that it ends on that note. But if it ended on Phoenix saying Mav has five kills and that makes him an ace, like why? I wish they cut that line of dialogue out of the movie. It just kills the whole mood. If you're a little bit skeptical about it, it like you you've lost it at that line. I just wish like they could have given Phoenix a little more character development. Mm-hmm. They could have spared it. Instead of her saying all those corny lines, they could have spared a little bit of more room for her. Or, or just make like Bob. Bob, which is a character who's supposed to be this earnest guy that like doesn't match the rest of the Navy. If he's obsessed with these stats, like that could kind of work with his personality. Yeah. And listen, at the end of the day, it's the Tom Cruise show. Like Maverick is the main character of the story. Everything is built around him. And I still love it for what it ends up doing. But <laughs> that line, I was just like, oh God. I, like, I, can, I can just imagine Tom Cruise just like grinning really big at that line. Yeah. Like I yes. am an ace. <laughs> yeah, no, that's definitely an ego line right there. That being said, you know, there's clunky exposition at some points and there's very flat characters at some points, but it all kind of, is encapsulated for me by Alan Seppenwall, who's a critic for Rolling Stone. His letterbox review for Top Gun Maverick really hit home for me exactly why, despite all of these things, it still works. Do y'all mind if I read it to you? Sure. Of course. Okay, here we go. This is Alan Seppenwall's letterbox review. Two things can be true. Maverick is the most shameless piece of pandering towards its star in the history of cinema, and it's also an enormously entertaining piece of pandering. That said, I came out of this most impressed by the three actors with the most thankless roles. John Hamm as lame boss who thinks Maverick's washed. Jennifer Connelly as generic love interest who's here to make you forget that we didn't invite Kelly McGillis back. And Glenn Powell as what if Iceman was just a dick? The movie is barely (laughs) concerned with anyone who is not Maverick, yet Hamm, Connelly, and Powell are all making a lot out of barely anything on the page. It's impressive. Which I think really encapsulates all these roles are so flat, right? John Hamm's only job is to be like, damn it, Maverick, why did instructions and yet he does a great job doing it like it's still a piece of popcorn that you will gladly eat but so true and it's like it's so interesting because i've seen movies before too where there's flat characters and just because like the execution of the script isn't that good it bothers me a lot but then in this you're right like there are so many flat characters in this movie but it's so enjoyable <laughs> jennifer cannelly is genuinely a thankless role Cannally? and yeah i think if I'm sorry. Jennifer Connelly is genuinely a thankless role, but I think if I edited together a super cut of Jennifer Connelly just smiling at the camera and being charming, you'd be like, yeah, she carries this movie. You know? Yeah. When I showed my dad this movie, he like made some comment where he was like, damn, like I wish that I was on a boat with Jennifer Connelly right now. And then I went, you are married. And he's like, mom's not in the room right now you don't need to say anything and then i ran to my mom and i was like mom she probably wishes she was on a boat with jennifer Connolly too I- i'm sure she does <laughs> over my um, dad hell yeah yeah i mean i will say i do understand that you know with this film there's a lot of characters too to be fair right like so yes, many do they deserve you know more time and more development and less of these thankless roles and throwaway lines uh sure but you know we're also it's so heavy on the action and the mission and yeah. tom cruise gets a lot of face time that when you have six pilots 
and three generals and a girlfriend who has a daughter. And, you know, all of a sudden you go down the list. There's a lot of people that that need time to shine and they're all not going to get it. Yeah. And you just need to move those scenes along. You can't like the thing I like about this movie is there's you're never you don't ever feel like you're in a scene for too long. And let me tell you, when I watched the original Top Gun, there were some scenes where I felt like we were in those scenes for way, way too long. And I was just like losing my mind. And they were all dialogue, talky-talky scenes that had no substance. This movie, maybe the characters are a little flat, but everything pertains to either Mavericks and Rooster's character development or the mission. And I like how tightly wound that is. Yeah, I mean, I will get into best scene and worst scene or or how I would like to rebrand it. Mm-hmm. Most rewatchable scene and bathroom break scene oh my um, God. later. But that's the most tough part is that there's genuinely not a bathroom break in this movie. No. Like you would think this dumb, mm-hmm. fun military propaganda movie, you could pee at any point and, you know, you won't miss much. And you're not going to like be lost on what the plot is, but you there's not a single scene. I went to uh, see it the second time with my friend who hadn't seen it before. And he kept asking me like, hey, can I go to the bathroom now? And finally, when we got to like the Iceman scene, that's my that's one of my contenders for a bathroom break scene. What? I know it. I know it. OK, let's just get into it. We'll start with bathroom break scene. This is the beginning of that segment. I understand that it is a very moving sequence and you can't miss it if it's the first time. If it's your first time watching the movie, you need to watch it. It's integral to the plot. It's integral to Maverick's journey as a person and him letting go of how to quote unquote father rooster. However, if you have to pee, you need to go to the bathroom during that scene because after that scene ends is the offensive defensive defense what football well, they're not playing regular football right beach, they're playing like beach football yeah they're whatever fo- version of football offense defense tackle football they're playing scene and you can't miss that scene right that's the iconic <laughs> recreation of the football scene so i was like of yeah the ball. Ball. Bathroom now and then luckily he came back just in time for the football scene but it's the kind of thing volleyball. where it's like vo- oh wait sorry. Never mind. recreation of the volleyball scene but anyway it's it's just iconic like you need to be there for that scene like i can't think of a single scene that you actually could miss and be okay with it. What you're what gonna, is you're gonna you're break? gonna hate me because I know yours you is like the scene. Yours is the boat scene. Yeah. No, <laughs> it's the boat scene. I'm sorry. It's either the boat scene by by the boat scene. By the way, Kate is referencing <laughs> the iconic scene okay. where Mav and Penny take the boat out together, and Penny asks Mav to do something with the bow and he doesn't know what to do and she says you're supposed to be in the navy and he's like i land on boats penny i don't sail them it's so charming you get to see jennifer connelly badass maneuver a bow and then (laughs) while the empowering music swells you see like a deep horizon ocean shot which i love water stuff this is my most rewatchable scene and yet Kate wants to go to the bathroom yeah. for it? No, I, there's no way. I, I just, I just like don't, I'm like, okay, they're just on a boat. Like it's like, I just think there's way more substance and tension in the scene with Maverick visiting Iceman and he's like dying. No, no, no. Like, don't compare it. Don't compare okay, it. Okay, don't compare it. Tell okay. me why you think this is why you should go to the bathroom. I also really need to pee right now. Because, <laughs> because I just think there's 
really not much dialogue or anything moving the scene forward. It's just them on a boat. Um, similarly, I would also skip the scene where they make love. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. You know what? So funny enough, funny enough, Kate, those were the two I had on my mind in terms Wait, Mike, of you bathroom also break. Hell that, yeah, Michael. Yeah, I think so. Right. Because. Fun. Well, just, well, hold on now. I hold on. I stare off into the horizon of the ocean for hours with a nod. Listen, of I love mind. Jennifer Look, Connelly, but I do not care about Maverick's love life in this here's, movie. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. What I'm thinking about this very practically in terms mm-hmm. of like, when do I need to go to the bathroom, right? So first of all, anything that is consequential to the plot, even if it's not even a, a great scene, right. um, I think cannot be a scene where you would go to the bathroom. And so, for instance, right, the scene where Maverick finally is invited upstairs and, um, you know, is hanging out with Penny. Um, Wait, can I describe that scene really quick for people who mm-hmm. think they're sure. going to skip it? It is, so this is the sex scene in total. Penny goes into her house and so many times we've seen her go into the house and close the door, but she goes into the house and leaves the door open. And then we cut to a shot of Jennifer Connelly's face. We cut to a shot of Tom Cruise's face. We cut to a shot of one of them laying down, cut to post-sex scene. Like you don't see anything. Yeah, there, there is no yeah. sex scene. No, but- I will say one important tidbit in that scene that I do think is, you know, at least partially important to the plot is when Mav reveals why he pulled Rooster's papers because he didn't want, um, he wasn't ready. And also he promised Rooster's mother and that he won't tell him because he doesn't want Rooster to resent his mother. Um, and, you know, he views himself as a father figure to Rooster. I think that is is, in, yeah, is, that an is important, important tidbit. So that's why, like, when I was thinking about these scenes, I was like, okay, maybe I'll save that one. And boat then I thought of the boat it. scene. Yeah. And I love the boat scene. Don't get me wrong. I love the boat scene. But I don't think it's that important to the plot. Um, and like you said, Shruti, it really starts to pick up after... He meets with the Iceman. You can't miss the football scene. I don't want to miss a single minute of flying. I mean, I just no. You can make the whole film flying. I would watch it. So, I to me, there's just not many other good candidates. Yeah, I agree. Other than the boat scene. All right, fair. Y'all all think that my most rewatchable scene is your bathroom break scene. Yes. I just love it. The music swells. I love any sequence of water. I'm pumped for Avatar the Way of Water. I'm going to watch it on Tuesday. But anyway, disgusting. what what would y'all say is your most rewatchable scene? And if you say the stupid football scene, I'm going to be mad. <laughs> oh my God, right. no. That is definitely top three. Easily okay. top three. Um, how can, you, how can it not be? Are you kidding? I just think Okay, for the record, though, the fact that they're not even playing American football, they're playing offense, defense, dogfight football. That's fun. That's fun. It relates to their jobs. I'm not hating on it. I'm saying, like, even when it comes down, when when they dumb down every single part of this movie, they even dumb down the football game. So it's just like, just follow the ball. It's offense, defense. That's all it is. So wherever it goes, that's who's doing what. Like, I was trying to follow it like a regular football game when I was a little confused at first. But the fact that they even dumb down that. And I, 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 dumb down makes How do they it sound dumb like it down? There's, doing... there's two balls. 
but but what I'm saying <laughs> is they make the move they they make every scene incredibly easy to follow. Um, it's not a criticism. Oh, okay. It's a compliment. Yeah. It's not a bug, it's a feature. Okay. But well, I couldn't tell I you mean, had this slight look, anchor in your voice when you were I have an it. enthusiasm. The <laughs> volley the volleyball scene from the original is one of the best scenes in that movie. And the okay, I will scene. just say though, when I, I was, I was so looking forward to that top gun, I was ready for the iconic volleyball scene. And what happened, I was like, that was it. It like, was boring. And it was kind of choppy, choppily edited. It just wasn't enough. For how and much I just hyped. I just don't care for Tom Cruise with his shirt off and they really okay, anyway, well, listen. the football scene was plenty. Okay. What is your most rewatchable scene? We have so many more topics okay. to get through. My my number one is when after they all fail the test and Maverick is booted and John Hamm takes over, and then Maverick steals the plane. And mm. beats the 230 on his own. I fucking love it. Oh my God, it's so good. <laughs> I like want to stand up and like jump out of my seat. Mike, off of that, I mean, it just ties directly to another tweet that made me so hype about Top Gun Maverick when the social embargo lifted, which is from Dave Gonzalez, one of the opinions I respect most. He said, Top Gun Maverick in IMAX is a blast. Sweaty palms blast. Watch G-Forces pull Tom Cruise's face against his skull blast. Completely stripped of a named bad guy. So it's politically complicated. It's so it's not politically complicated blast. It builds to a two minute 15 sequence in act two that does not let up, which is the sequence you're referring to now when Maverick steals the plane and goes through it, which I, again, I hate hype. When I know something is coming, I get honestly really annoyed and honestly more pessimistic about it. And so I knew this two minute, 15 sequence was coming up. And when I saw it, when, when it started, when Maverick stole the plane, I was like, this has to be it. And guess what? I fucking bought in. It is thrilling to the max. It is so fun. And again, it's one of those cases of they've described the situation to you so many times and through the music, through the expression on these characters' faces, you're going to understand how amazing this is. And you fully buy into the suspense. I love it. Kate, what's your most rewatchable scene? I'm in between two. And they both are rooster maverick scenes. Okay, what are they? I love the scene in training when they are doing dogfighting training and Maverick is hovering above rooster. And then yeah. Rooster is so pissed and he goes like fights on and then he just nose dives and they're yeah. nose diving down to the ground. And they're kind of like they're breaking like, the they're floor playing that you're the altitude floor. Yeah. They're they're breaking the hard deck, mm-hmm. and um, and it's kind of this game of of chicken of who's gonna pull up first, and it just it just speaks so well to the tension that they have in their relationship, especially because you know neither of them are gonna die. You're in the beginning yeah. of the movie, and yet the tension. I was stressed out for their lives watching that. Yes, I would argue that's my favorite scene. And then a very close second is when they steal the old um, plane from yeah. that military base and they're working together to get it off the ground. I thought that that's was a, really fun. That's a great one. Anything with the two of them, I am in love with. I, I love a good story of like a pseudo father child kind of thing. When I 
went into this movie, honestly, I I had heard something about there not being a a third movie, which obviously now Paramount is con is quietly discussing making a third movie because of the bajillions of dollars this movie made. But because I for for some reason under the impression that there wasn't going to be a next one, I was like, shit, Maverick could die in this one, and. Okay, again, full spoilers for Top Gun Maverick here in this podcast. But when in the beginning of the movie, when Maverick is being just told the mission and he says, someone's not coming back from this, I turned to my friend that I was in the theater with and I said, oh my God, is he going to die? And he went, he's not flying the mission. And I was like, okay, you dumbass. Obviously he's going to end up flying the mission. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, geez. Um, But then after he sleeps with Penny and he jumps out the window and his daughter sees him sneaking out and she says, just don't break her heart again. I was like, oh shit, he is going to die. He's going to die and that's going to break her heart. And then the nail in the coffin for me was the Ned Stark, Jon Snow-esque sequence he exchanges with Rooster before they embark on the mission. And Rooster is trying to say something to him and he says, we'll talk when I get back, which is what Ned Stark says to Jon Snow, spoilers for Game of Thrones, before Jon Snow goes to the wall. And I turned to my friend and I said, he is fucking dying in this movie. (laughs) And to the point where when we get to the climactic sequence in the mission and we, for lack of more knowledge, see Maverick die, I turned to my friend and my dumbass went, see, I told you he was going to (laughs) die. 30 seconds later, we find out he's not dead. But I'm curious for you guys. Did you think he was going to die at any point? Were you also convinced of that? Let no. Well, okay. I guess I'm just an idiot. No, I, I'm, I'm trying to think back to the first time that I too. saw it when he was shot out of the sky. I think there was a little. There was definitely a little moment of shock. Like I, I definitely wasn't you. I wasn't like th- leading up to that, thinking mm-hmm. he was gonna die. But there was a little bit of a moment of shock for me when that happened. But I will say, upon my most recent viewing, the third time I watched it, in that scene when Mav is shot out of the sky and then Rooster wants to go back for him, I full well knew that Maverick was not dead and I was still emotional. Like I was like, like in the theater, like when- in my feels, <laughs> just like hearing Rooster be like, we, we got to go back for Mav. He, he and- doesn't say we have to go back. He says, quote, we have to circle back, which I think should be memed on any assistance page. <laughs> yeah. Shut up. Oh my God. <laughs> Kate, did you think he was dead? I think I was worried when it happened, but I think I just remember thinking, okay, this is a big blockbuster movie and it's Tom Cruise. And I just didn't think this film was going to go in the direction of killing off Tom Cruise's character. Because I just don't think that's really, like that's not really just the movies he decides to be in you know what I mean I I kind of was like Tom Cruise loves to be the star he loves the center of attention I just was like would he do a film would he okay a film where he dies in the end and I kind of was like I don't think so um I think the thing that shocked me more was I really didn't think I didn't know that Rooster would go back for him I thought like okay he's gonna be alive but he like I was like Maverick will have to get back home I I didn't think that Rooster would go for him and I really liked that he did and then got shot down too Mm -hmm. and then I loved the scene where 
Maverick is running through the woods to him. And then when he gets there, it's instead so of cinematic. hugging him, instead yeah. of hugging him, he just like shoves him to the ground. <laughs> I thought that was great. <laughs> and he goes, what were you thinking? And he says, you told me not to think. And he goes, yeah. oh. <laughs> the four times I've been in the theater, that has always gotten a laugh. Also, um, a great way to um, showcase Tom Cruise sprinting. <laughs> Have y'all heard the theory about Tom Cruise dying in the beginning of this movie? What? Oh, like you think he's actually dead when he burnt out after? Yes, there is a theory. And this theory makes me so, it, this is one of these things that, you know, just makes me happy to be alive in, in this day and age. <laughs> oh what a time gosh. to be alive. There's a theory that Tom Cruise dies in the beginning scene where he tries to she tries to achieve Mach 10. Um, here's a quote from an article. The theory is quite simple. Mach 10 is 7,627 miles per hour. The land speed record is 763 miles per hour. Even if Maverick managed to get out of the plane before it exploded, his body surely couldn't withstand the force of that speed outside of the aircraft. So... Some fans believe Maverick actually died and the rest of the film is his death dream, which kind of wow. makes sense the way everything pans out. It does seem like a purgatory-esque death dream. Like he gets the old girlfriend back. He okay, gets, Neil he, deGrasse he, he Tyson. He reconciles with um, his best friend's son. son. He kind of gets like this glory back, this... Uh, people are proud of him in the military again he's a mission that is declared to be a death mission right and okay here's my additional insight into this i love it (laughs) i hate this this is horrible this is horrible no uh, let me tell you why this is horrible right because people can't just watch a film and have fun and enjoy for what it is this reminds me of like same thing, same premise. Neil deGrasse Tyson went on a tweeting spe- spree about the physics of, of flight. It was like his body would explode upon impact and all of this other things he disproved about the film. And I'm like, can't you just fucking watch it? Like, okay. But Mike. like, but like, let me just say something. That scene though, that we talked about earlier where he's hit Mach 10 and he's flying over the horizon and it's like this sunset sunrise kind of thing and it's that moment of calm and he's like smiling just like makes me think of like heaven or like death i don't Mm -hmm. know why it makes me think like it's this one moment of quietness in the movie there's no way that this is the premise of the tom cruise film okay we're not saying it is but it's just fun to make theories like this mike do you know how to have fun Exactly. I'm having fun watching the movie. Your your vision of fun is that he (laughs) fucking explodes upon impact (laughs) and the rest of the movie in the next two and a half hours is a dream. Okay, Joseph Kaczynski responded to this theory in The Hollywood Reporter. He said, movies are meant to be interpreted in your own way and based on how you see the world and experiences that you've had. So I will not throw cold water on that theory. It's a cool interpretation of the story. Mike, why can't you be as cool as director of Top Gun Maverick, Joseph Kaczynski? All right. If it's the world as you see it, then here's the thing. Why does his card get declined? Does at the mean, but he's not like a he's a pretty low ranking uh, officer because Kate, he just you're never trying to takes... support me here in this theory. Oh, okay. <laughs> Why yeah, would Captain his card Pete get declined Mitchell. if not to put him on this purgatory esque dream sequence? Oh, okay. Now you're stretching it a little <laughs> what? bit. What? Why does Travis Clark get not... declined at the bar? Why? He's not because for he money. doesn't. He lives a... in an airplane hangar. Yeah, I don't think he's making too much money if he's <laughs> if he's he's uh 
living in i don't mean he's not even authorized he brings to that there. wad of cash in to pay the tab he's doing fine <laughs> i bet he sold drugs to get that money i was kidding <laughs> is it legal in california also, just, if goose literally died in a training exercise ejecting from a training exercise and mav dies from ejecting on mach 10 or sorry mav doesn't die from ejecting on mach 10 like that's a bit of a stretch and let's just say he did die he went to heaven reunited with goose and they had a steamy makeout session (laughs) wait oh shit goose was married with a child never mind (laughs) you know it's literally literally what i cannot get behind is is that this idea is stemming from him fucking exploding (laughs) like if it was like if it was like another Maybe he died. Maybe this is a dream. Like, that's fine. Like, there's movies out there that are like, oh, maybe this was a dream all along. But, like, the fact that we have to do astrophysics and determine whether his body was split up into a million particles and then he's on a fucking death dream, I just, I don't know. I can't, I can't get behind it. This is a blockbuster starring Tom Cruise. No, no, he didn't die. No. No, <laughs> but the great thing about and so and I cannot you wait. Can you know what? I really hope. Anyway you I want. really hope, and I don't even think they need to make one. But I really hope there's a third Top Gun film. You just do so, just so we can put this to rest. Just so we okay. can say, look, he's not dead. Wash the theory out of your mind. Do you actually want a third Top Gun movie? I no. wouldn't hate it. I, I thought don't. this one was unnecessary. So why not? I make thought this one was unnecessary, one? but it was fun. It made me happy. And it kind of, you know, defied all expectations and thrilled me. But for that reason, I would like it to be the end. Me too. I don't need a third movie. I don't need one, but I think I'd have fun with a third movie. Don't be like Toy <sighs> I just, Story. I just feel like a maybe I'm, maybe I'm being a cynic again. Like everyone was, a, oh, not everyone, but a lot of people were cynic about the sequel and it lived up to expectations. And if a third movie also is just as thrilling, I will love it. But I have a feeling it won't be as good. And why not just end on this high note of really capturing the box office, everyone's minds, everyone's hearts. If you end on a, I don't know, it could just end up being terrible and then yeah. just ruin the whole franchise. I don't know, look how pe- excited people are for the next Mission Impossible. They want more Tom Cruise. Throughout the course of the movie, there's this running animosity between Rooster and Maverick. And I actually genuinely love that it is more than just this training exercise that Goose was in that potentially killed Rooster's dad, right? Obviously, that would make somebody have a lot of animosity towards Maverick. However, there is a additional underlying storyline that Maverick had pulled Goose's papers to the Naval Academy when he originally applied. The reason he did that is because his mom didn't want him involved in um the Navy at all, considering it killed his son or killed his dad. So Maverick pulls his papers, sets him back a year. Does that four years? years. Four years, sorry. Does that do y'all think that ended up actually being beneficial to Rooster in the long term? Because he still applied for the Naval Academy at the end of the day. 
Well, part well, Tom Cruise Maverick does explain, right? It was partially he said, you know, he his mom made him swear, you know, she didn't want to see him do this. But then he also says the truth is I didn't think he was ready. And she says and then Jennifer Connelly says, is he ready now? And then that's <laughs> when the daughter comes in and you don't get the answer. Um, so that being said, it, it sounds like there are, you know, there's more than one reason. So if it's really the second thing, right? If it's he wasn't ready and, you know, for this mission now, you know, Tom Cruise thought he still wasn't ready, at least when he was first asked to to teach the mission um obviously by the end of when they go on the mission tom cruise then thinks he is ready because he selects rooster to to be his wingman um so if that's the case then i think yes it probably was beneficial obviously we don't know what rooster was like four years prior um but if it's a matter of Maverick thinking whether or not Rooster is ready to take this on, um, then I think the only logical thing is to assume that it, it did help in some way if he feels confident enough to make him his wingman in the in the end. Well, I don't think it changes that much because at the end of the day, while Maverick is training Rooster for this mission, he still fully doesn't think he's ready, right? He keeps repeating this phrase, which may seem stupid, but it kind of works for me. He keeps telling Rooster, don't think, just do, right? Yeah. <laughs> and that's kind of an underlying theme with uh, Rooster's battle with Hangman, right? Um, actually, let me let me play this clip while we have it um, of why Rooster and Hangman also don't get along that much. Well, mission's a mission. They don't confront me. What I want to know, who's going to be team leader? Also clunky exposition. <laughs> which one of you all has what it takes? to follow me. Hangman, the only place you'll lead anyone is an early grave. Oh, anyone who follows you is just gonna run out of fuel. Well, that's just you, and Rooster. You're snug on that perch, waiting for just the right moment. That never comes. Like, obviously, Hangman is very villainous. Not like evil evil but you know he's antagonizing rooster the whole time he says anyone who follows you is just going to run out of fuel and it's kind of encapsulating the same issue that maverick is saying like you're going to run out of fuel you're just snug on this perch you're not you're overthinking things don't think just do mm-hmm. and i actually do really respect that about this movie like as much as it is a dumb popcorn movie you understand the message maverick is trying to instill in rooster this whole time but Rooster is still overthinking and being caught in his head as Hangman has pointed out. And so I don't know how much actually pulling those papers and letting Rooster just apply four years later has actually changed anything other than the fact that his mom is now dead. And so now he can let Rooster join the Navy. I mean, maybe if Rooster hadn't gotten set back, maybe he would have like gotten a faster position somewhere and then maybe he could have gone like a dangerous mission beforehand and gotten in real serious trouble or got hurt or died i don't know well yeah and i think here a key factor is maybe it really required maverick to unlock something in rooster to get him prepared right i mean look i don't think 
Mav would have selected Rooster to be his wingman if deep down he didn't think he was actually ready for it. Um, you know, even regardless of what might appear on the surface. And, I, and so it may have been, you know, over that two or three weeks that they were training together, like he specifically needed to train with Mav to get through the personal stuff to get to a place where he needed to be, you know, like had this mission gone on without Maverick and he was part of the 12 pilots selected and John Hamm was running it. I don't know if Rooster actually would have been ready, but clearly he was like deep down. He was ready. Um, and it's, wait, wait. I guess it's just a matter of what was, what was the key to unlocking that? We, we got a voice note from, former chaos on the set and also relative of Shruti Marate, Priya Marate, um, <laughs> who kind of talked about this whole, the way that it falls on Meg Ryan being dead. Let's, let's just take a listen to this. Maverick was one of the most fun theater going experiences I had this year. I think it is such a tough task to update a movie 30 years after the original and they really really rose to the occasion the one area in which i felt like they took a little bit of a shortcut was where the character of meg ryan was concerned the initial top gun is meg ryan's on film debut she is absolutely mesmerizing magnetic there you've never seen anything like her and she is this absolute light in that movie. And I think, I understand that she isn't acting anymore and that she was unable to participate in this movie, but I thought that writing her off as dead was kind of a, a cowardice, cowardic, cowardly, cowardly move. And I really wish that they had done something to honor that character, bring a little bit more dimension to Rooster and to his relationship with Maverick. And remind us all about what a moment Meg Ryan was in that movie. Anyway, thank you so much for the podcast. Talk to y'all soon. I, I don't so know. How do you, I think that at the end of the day, you know, it's kind of just the easy way out that if Meg Ryan is not going to be in the movie to kill off her character. However, making Rooster an orphan that's going through all of this is a lot darker fate than the movie paints itself to be. Like the way Mav treats Rooster, if you really fully acknowledge that he has lost both of his parents, is a little harsh. It builds character. <laughs> okay. I, I don't want to be, I don't want to be insensitive. Oh, but no. It, it, I'm reminded of Larry David oh in, Curb Your in Curb Your Enthusiasm when like, this this guy his parents die like both his parents are dead and he calls himself an orphan like it, rooster's not seven years old okay, okay. it's not like he was left at, at the orphanage we're um, unsure though he lost his dad when he was a young yes. an infant yeah, yeah so we did, don't he, know he, when meg ryan died i mean so you clearly, don't know that he clearly lost it seems like I would assume he, it's around the same time that Mav probably pulled, the, pulled papers. the papers. Because he took the heat for it because he didn't want Brewster to be mad at his mom. And then even when she died after, I think he was still keeping that in because he's like, I just don't want him to resent his dead mom. Like, what will yeah. that solve? So like, here's here's what I'll say. I actually really like the point um, that Priya is making. I think 
it's a valid one. Although when I try to think of what's the alternative, right, it's it's not working for me. And I, I think it is the right move, unfortunately, to kill off Meg Ryan's character because if she's still alive, right, then what becomes the um what becomes the point of controversy between Mav and Rooster? Like they, they need some sort of animosity towards each other. They need yeah. something to fight over. And if we're still going to sit here and say, oh, Mav pulled the papers, but the mom is alive. Yeah, then it's that's like, true. then like also, she clearly is, would have a relationship with, with Mav. Obviously they were friends. So it's like, she could, sway him in the right direction i just don't like what's the alternative it it would have been crowded if she Mm -hmm. was in the movie too and i think it kind of makes the story of mav and rooster a little more impactful because this is now the only like parental figure in rooster's life that he has left and it's so important that they meant things and it kind of shows how important it is to rooster that he have this fatherly figure in his life who knew his parents so well. Which, by the way, when at the climactic sequence where Rooster cannot get out of his head and he's flying too slowly during the final mission, he says, talk to me, dad. And we yeah. cut to Tom Cruise saying, yeah. don't think, just do. And he mm-hmm. finally speeds up. So Maverick, in that sense, you know, he's saying, talk to me, dad, and it cuts to Maverick talking to him. It does help him get through it. Well, guys, I have a favorite line in this movie. Would you like to guess what it is? <laughs> is it um, now you're in the Navy in the boat scene between Kenny and Matt? No, you're the only one that likes that scene. Should be. It's a great scene. <laughs> My favorite quote in this movie, although it may be cheesy, is I like think. that face, Mav. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't like the, the only one, one I got. I got. No, I I do love Don't Think, Just Do. And maybe I didn't love it so much at first, but something funny happened in my weekly therapy session a couple of weeks ago. So for everyone that wants to know, yes, I am in therapy and you should be too. Everyone go to therapy. Thank you. Anyway, I was in therapy with my therapist, Maggie. Hi, Maggie. If you listen to this, I don't think you do. I hope she doesn't. I hope she doesn't too, because boy, would then we have she more. Would find a lot more issues. <laughs> yeah, she would. And we're in the session, and we were talking about something that has to do with me overthinking in situations, you know. And you are rooster. I am rooster. And she said, "You know, Kate, like when you're having those moments where you're overthinking and it's like immobilizing you, you should don't think, just do." And I burst out laughing <laughs> and she was like, why are you laughing? This is serious. And I said, no, I'm sorry. I'm not laughing at you. It's just, have you seen Top Gun Maverick? <laughs> and she went, no. I said, okay, in Top Gun Maverick, there is a character, Maverick, 
played by Tom Cruise. And his big <laughs> line in the film is don't think, just do. And it's it's his mantra and his way of flying. And he tells it to everyone. And she goes, okay. I'm like, so did you get that from that movie? And she goes, Kate, when I was in college, my psychology professor used to say that all the time in our lessons. Like that was something he taught us in class. And I went, did your professor watch Top Gun? <laughs> Uh, well, as our excitement for Top Gun Maverick grows, um, I'm getting more and more confident, honestly, that it is definitely getting nominated for Best Picture. However, we did get our resident chaos on the set, Oscar expert Jesse to weigh in. So let's throw it over to our conversation with Jesse to really break down the Oscar potential for this movie. Jesse, thank you so much. I'm sure we're going to have you on the podcast a lot more as Oscar season gets into full swing. But I did text Jesse this morning because I was like, I need to talk about Top Gun Maverick's Oscar potential. I think it's definitely a lock for best picture. I'm a little worried that Tom Cruise is also going to sneak in for best actor. But Jesse, <laughs> I'm just going to throw it away, throw it over to you. What what do you think is going to happen here when it comes to nominations? Which, by the way, I should say will be announced on January 24th. So about a month out from today. Yeah, no, I think that it's in a pretty good position just because it came out earlier in the year and not a lot of movies did. So it's had an entire year to grow a buzz campaign. And I not talked to anybody who didn't enjoy the movie, which is like a good thing, especially in a preferential ballot system where the movie that pretty much everyone pretty much enjoys is always ranked pretty high. So it's looking like it could be nominated for Best Picture. And I thought in the craft categories, it would be pretty highly rated. I think on Gold Derby, I saw it was like um, right now currently number one for editing. And I've heard good things about the cinematography chances. It's hard, though, because Avatar just came out and that's sort of swallowing all the energy in the room for the craft categories. But to focus uh, attention on Best Actor in particular, there's a couple spots that are open and Tom could easily sneak in. I'm really curious about SAG in particular because that's, you know, the audience of your peers and everyone seems to kind of like Tom Cruise they appreciate his thing where he like does his own stunts and puts <laughs> his life in danger um and a lot of the Scientology stuff has kind of died down right uh yeah. so I think you know they have a pretty good shot I've seen some FYC campaign paraphernalia maybe you've seen more going about in LA so I fully want this movie to get nominated for Best Picture. I think, you know, as Jesse was saying, it's just a universally loved movie. And this year when there are 10 Best Picture contenders, like they're going to nominate 10 movies regardless of what percentage of um, the Academy actually votes for Oscars. In the past, you have to get over 15% of the vote to get into that top 10. But this year, there will be a total of 10. So why not add Top Gun Maverick and embrace some chaos and also embrace, you know, the well-loved movies of the year. I'm fine with that for the 10. I worry that if Tom Cruise gets nominated for Best Actor, everyone who has already been making fun of me in my friend group for loving Top Gun Maverick so much will just be like, are you kidding me, Shruti? Because they also make fun of me for being so obsessed with the Oscars. So if Tom Cruise then also gets nominated for Best Actor, it's like a double whammy. And honestly, I don't know how to defend it. Like, obviously, it's an open category. We have Brendan Fraser probably in for lack of a better word, first place for The Whale. Colin Farrell, close second for Banshee's Manishirin. We have, everyone is obsessing over Austin Butler right now for Elvis. But the other two slots are a little up in the air. And while I see Tom Cruise getting it, because he got a Critics' Choice nominee, which I think is very telling. He Did he get a Golden Globe nomination? I think he did. Because they separate, did they separate it up? For drama and comedy? Yeah. Probably, yeah. 
Which, I mean, he did return all of his Golden Globes. <laughs> no, yeah, he didn't get nominated, which is sort okay. of weird because they do like their celebrities and he's like the big one. But yeah, I think the Critics' Choice nominee is very telling. And who are the other two actors going to be? Who do you think, Jesse? I really would personally like Paul Mezcal. And I think that I'm probably butchering his pronunciation of that name, but I think that his performance in After Sun is spectacular and that's sort of like a one of those like indie darlings that would mm-hmm. um and then that other spot I don't know that's why I think you know Tom could easily fill it I think that the Critics Choice Award probably gave the Academy permission to include mm-hmm. him you know it's like oh here's he's in another voting body but like so many right now we're being inundated by all these Critics Awards which I, everyone gets so excited over myself included but the, if there's a venn diagram of critics so you know critic voters and the academy that's there's no overlap right yeah <laughs> and, the academy is its own thing so i'm i'm kind of curious about sag if he gets in there for sag then i think that that's he's good to go for yeah the the oscars i mean the movie's designed to be inoffensive right like there's bad guys <laughs> in it but there's no like we don't know who they are like you can guess like north korea or russia but like you you literally don't know because they don't want to offend anybody yeah um okay so we have covered kind of nominations definitely best picture very high potential best actor and a handful of technical what do you think is gonna win i know we're very far out but do you think it's actually gonna take home a trophy for any of these categories um, I'm kind of I'm really curious to see how Avatar ends up hitting overall because I think it's going to win a lot and mostly in craft categories, mm-hmm. uh, but not like in acting. <laughs> Sorry, it's hard but, with the CGI gobbledygook. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think right now I saw it's the favorite top Top Gun is the favorite in like editing, which is funny mm-hmm. because everything everywhere is all editing, you know. Um. So I think in the craft categories, it's still definitely up there. And, and it is really a feat. Uh, is sound really one category this year or is it mixed? I think maybe it's still one. We're yeah. like so rusty. <laughs> like, also though, honestly, I feel like <laughs> I think sound has to go to bones and all. My God, was that sound design disturbing? <laughs> I haven't been able to bring myself to watch it yet, but I, I don't know if that'll be a crowd pleaser. I'll never um, watch it. Well, then my last question is this uh, Lady Gaga song that ends the movie. Is that going to be a best original song contender? I mean, we, Kate and I both want um, the songs from Turning Red to sneak Poor in. town! <laughs> um, but honestly, it, listen, my friend went to a Lady Gaga concert and the encore she did was her Top Gun Maverick song. Really? So, yeah. That's nice. <laughs> This was over the summer, though. This was a while, a couple months ago. I feel like it's so weird. And there's like never any overlap. You can't really tell. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, I think the Golden Globes have a song category, too. But there's what, like the Taylor Swift song that she did for Karate's movie that no one saw was nominated for the Globes, (laughs) which is like a very Globes thing to do. The Oscars are always weird about song. But I mean, they like Lady Gaga, clearly. They like, I mean, The Weeknd, I think, isn't he's the one that sings the song at the end of Avatar. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, Exciting. <laughs> there's a, re- wait, isn't there, there's a Rihanna song for Wakanda. Yes. There's a song uh, in bros. Um, <laughs> wait, are the, are the songs from marry me eligible? <laughs> because I think JLo's love of my life should win best original song. <laughs> I forgot marry me. I would love though the, the, the turning red songs were nominated. That'd be so fun. Yeah. I mean, they always like crowd pleaser songs if they can get Lady Gaga up there. I would love to see it. But yeah, that one's always right. I really want her to perform it too at the show. 
I would. Yeah. I mean, she's performed now so many times at the Oscars because for Star is Born, she did that um, Sound of Music tribute that was amazing a couple years before that. And then she's performed the movie that the song from the movie that was in the hunting ground, which I bet on to win and didn't win. So I'm still bitter about her losing that. Design. It was designed yeah. to win. Yeah. Um, this song is weird, man. <laughs> well, I guess we'll see. Jesse, any other, it doesn't have to be just Oscar related. You're just general love for Top Gun Maverick. If you, do love <laughs> it. if you don't love it, then you can just leave. <laughs> no, I, I do love it. And I had never seen the first one. So I watched it before. Me too. Um, and I had like a great time. Uh, I wanted to write a bunch of uh, fanfic about <laughs> yes. I this at the end. I was like, this is like a love story. Oh it's like a romance. Between Hangman and Rooster? No. Or uh, oh, between I, Ice and... Oh yeah. God, it's just so after. enemies. Are you, are you a fanfic fan? We'll talk after. Oh, yeah, I am. Oh it's very God. enemies to lovers. Like, that's yes, the blueprint. You know? Like, they hate... Like, they really hate each other. Like, it's enemies so good for lovers. Rival. Yeah. Right there. Um... <sighs> So and um <laughs> I know I ad- I adored it I mean I really liked it it was so much fun and we saw it in theaters and I think there's I've really heard no one say anything bad about it even our like friends that I thought would be like well, well it's military propaganda like yeah it is but I, it's fun and, military and, propaganda and, and, and Shruti, Shruti, that's why I need you to write down the names of your friends that are giving you shit and I'm gonna call <laughs> yes. them okay honestly um, I wouldn't call them friends more than just like LA acquaintances <laughs> uh, yeah there no no friends of yours will ever be Top Gun haters I think I hope it at least picks up um if it does pick up some noms I hope it wins one maybe in editing but I also think no but I would just yeah the editing for everything every all at once is crazy it, it and the movie is almost dependent on it right yes to show very much Michelle Yeoh transferring between all those storylines and so I want Top Gun Maverick to get some nominations, to get some love and to have some fun, but I don't know if I want it walking away with any award. Yeah. I'm I'm worried that Avatar is going to take up all the oxygen in the Ooh. room that people are just going to be like, oh, well, that's, I know it's technically amazing. So I'm just going to like X all the boxes. That's, that's my fear with that one. Um, I'll be really blue curious. People. I'll be really, yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see what happens with it awards wise and also people going to see it wise my theater was like pretty crowded but it wasn't as crowded as like when I saw Spider-Man No Way Home mm. uh I don't know I've I've seen like the critics are just so in love with it and I so I went in being like there's no way that this could be as good as they said and it's not <laughs> okay you know what? let's wrap this up by doing over under long-term bet how many Oscars will Top Gun Maverick win the over under is 0.5 so basically one or more is the over and zero is the under. I'm betting the under. I don't think, I think I'll get a handful mm-hmm. of nominations. Honestly, I think it's not going to get any wins. So I take the under. <laughs> Anyone else? Wow. None. I'm, I think I'm going to bet that it wins an Oscar. I agree. I think something in the crafts, um, but definitely I don't think stands any chance with anything um, outside of that if it was to be nominated for other types of awards. Yeah, I think I agree. But I also would entertain a conversation about being a surprise Best Picture winner. Whoa, all right. Well, just based on the preferential ballot, you know, I don't know what people are going to say about everything. There's going to be a lot. I think there are a lot of movies that a lot of people really like and a lot of people, and and they're very decisive, I think, is, is what it is. So that's why it could be like one of those fun spoilers 
with 10 movies getting nominated it's more likely for just the most well-liked movie to win instead of actually the most loved movie to win because of the preferential ballot so jesse you might be right fuck i should have taken the over whatever (laughs) i'm taking the under because i think they're gonna kiss james cameron's ass and make me hate the blue people even more Um, all right. So Kate and I are betting no Oscars. Jesse and Mike are betting at least one. Um, okay. Let's wrap this up here. Jesse, thank you so much for joining us. Do you want to plug any of your own personal work or anything before we leave, before we lose you? Oh, no. I mean, I love coming on here. So anytime you want a last minute, it sounds good to <laughs> and me. Listen, we will see you for more Oscar look aheads. And I also just want to remind Jesse and Mike that last year we did take a long-term bet on when Netflix will win Best Picture and you guys both won bet last year and you were both wrong and I'm still in contention because I bet 2024 so I'm not going to gloat too hard because it'll be embarrassing if they win next this year but what, well this what year from Netflix gonna be, is going to win this year <laughs> it's going to be Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio so for best just, picture yes, right. just you yeah. wait. okay <laughs> it should it's all come down to that's what it, you know you never know the timing the timing matters what is coming out on Netflix next year oh killers of flower moon Right. That's the biggie. Mm. Got it. All right. Scorsese, I'm really banking on you to win this next year. <laughs> All righty. Thank you, Jesse, so much. Yeah, no, thank you. So Before we wrap things up, though, I want to talk about what was top of mind for everyone when they went to Top Gun Maverick, which is where the hell is Manny Jacinto? <laughs> was, that, on- was that the top of mind of people? That was top of my mind. Kate, was the top of your mind? Um, No. <laughs> I'll be honest. I didn't know who he was until today. Wow. Really? Yeah. I knew okay. Who he- okay. Listen, I knew who he was, but Shruti put him in our like breakdown notes for this episode and i was like yeah. why is she bringing him why is his name here i wow. don't know yeah. anomaly here i guess okay i was genuinely angry to how much Jacinto was cut out of this movie if you're unfamiliar with manny jacinto he is one of the core ensemble cast in mike Schur's beloved the good place he was also in an amazon release movie over the pandemic called i want you back he's not the biggest star like Wait, i get it he's in this movie yeah with jenny slate no, he's in Top Gun Maverick. Oh, yes, <laughs> he's 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 one of the six pilots that are not chosen. What? Yes. So here, here are the moments where you see Manny Jacinto. One, his military ID photo appears on screen with the 12 other pilots Maverick is introduced to be training in that scene where um, John Hamm's character is introducing the class to him. Then you also see him walk into Penny's bar, the hard deck, um, and Jay Alice's character says, shit, that's Fritz. So like his name is dropped. And then the only other time you see him is in training montages. And he's in like the very back of the room um, when Tom Cruise first walks into the train, uh, like they're his first lesson and throws out, you know, the military book and all of that fun stuff. So he was essentially cut out of this movie. Okay. I was really what? upset by it. Yeah. Okay. I'm sure you're shocked. So, I, what I found. Yeah. <laughs> when when I found out he was because listen I didn't care about Top Gun so I really didn't care about Top Gun Maverick my anticipation grew as the hype cycle grew and then I found out Manny Jacinto was in it and I got even more excited about it I understand at the end of the day why he had to be 
cut out of the movie because of just the course that the movie took. There was a Vulture article I read kind of analyzing why he was cut out. And it said, 12 pilots demand a lot of new character development, especially when only half of the characters are going to matter in the final act, that final mission they go on. And especially when two of the 12 are more narratively significant than the rest. They're referring to Hangman and Rooster. So I get it. Like there's not much time to develop this other character. I just feel bad for Manny Jacinto because he is fairly famous. His yeah. stardom was rising to the point where when Top Gun Maverick came out, he was fairly beloved. And to just be in the background of a movie like that makes me honestly like, very like, sad. Like I'm to be honest, I just don't really get why he wasn't cast or why his character wasn't made one of the more central pilots who does exactly. get to fly on the I mission. I think he could have replaced, like, who the fuck, like, I'm Bob shocked. is whatever. Or, like, like it's Coyote. just a generic storyline. Don't like, hate on Bob. <laughs> or, like, no offense, Ruthie, but, like, Fanboy or, like, yeah. Coyote. I loved Fanboy. <laughs> okay, Mike. Well, like, I just feel, oh I honestly God. just feel bad for him because... It is a little, it's like, I, he hasn't really said anything. He's like, he made one comment that like Top Gun Maverick is the Tom Cruise show, but I don't think he was being shady. I think he was just being factual. It is the Tom Cruise show. But the fact that he was cut out of it that significantly is really upsetting to me. I think that like, I get it. Listen, there's so much character development to do. And this movie does not spare a single second with all of the pilots that they're trying to like Hangman's character so- introduction, right. Is being at the bar of the hard deck and Coyote, like holds his hands over his eyes so Hangman can't, he's playing darts, but he still hits a bullseye with his hands covered and then he high fives Coyote. Like just that silent sequence, we learned so much about Hangman and his arrogance, but his also his ability, you know, in that short 12 second sequence. Every single second of this two hour, 11 minute movie is really showing us who these characters are in a very uh like advanced way. And I know that there's not that much time to also develop Manny Jacinto's character. I just feel bad because it, it is doesn't the make beloved sense because he is like he is pretty famous from the good place. So it just mm-hmm. doesn't. So, it, I can't even. I can't believe this. I did not even realize that he was in this film. That's so how the movie was filmed in May of 2018. The Good Place premiered in September of 2016, but we don't know when Manny Jacinto was cast. Like it was filmed in 2018. If he was cast in 2017 or earlier, there might not have been much of a reason to highlight this character because so. he was just a background actor at that point. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, so here's here's my thing. Right. Part of it to me, it matters whether we're saying he was cut out of it or he was left out of it. Right. Fair. Because, I mean, do we know was there all of this Manny Jacinto footage and scenes that were <laughs> cut out and of the film that they just decided not to use. Because I think what it seems like here is just like the other five pilots that also didn't get airtime that just are not famous. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it seems like he's just signed up for a really basic role. So, you know, I, I think it could be, a multitude of things does it suck that you know he doesn't have a bigger role sure and like his level of fame probably is not matching the role that he was given um but at the same time like i'm assuming he read the script i'm assuming he knew that it wasn't a significant role unless they really decided to rewrite things and change it and make it a lesser role i don't know, maybe he was just you know top gun maverick that's a big movie Maybe he was just wanted to be in it. I don't know. 
Does it stink for him? Yes, absolutely. But I don't know. I'm not going to like read too much into it um, because it just like, is it shocking that a inconsequential role does not have time in the film? No. Is it a little surprising that somebody that famous is in that role? Yes. But how we, how he got there, who knows? But it, you know, I think like, I don't know, cut, cut out of the film seems a, bit maybe a bit harsh it seems like maybe he was just a little left out of the film i'd be interested to see if we ever get deleted scenes and see if there are scenes where they highlight that group of pilots that um is a little less featured which i I mean there's a whole deleted scene where maverick dies in the first training exercise oh yeah i remember that (laughs) but i but in seriousness, I read somebody's like, oh, release the director's cut. And I'm like, why are you assuming that he's going to be in the director's cut? Like, it's yeah. still a, it's still a nothing role. Um, OK, fair. Um, before we wrap things up, I just want to ask, is Penny's daughter the most studious daughter in all of cinematic history? <laughs> because she, the reason we get the iconic boat scene is because she has to study for a test and then the reason we get the just don't break her heart again line is because she comes home early because she has to study. Like what a great daughter Penny has. I don't know why she was feeling overly protective over her. That girl is going places. Doesn't sound like she has many friends though. No, she was at a friend's house. Until she left to go study. Do you think she left because there was a cannibalism incident a la bones and all? (laughs) What the fuck? I love how we just talk about Bones and All in every podcast and Kay is like, what is this movie? I don't know what you've been told But time is running out No need to take a slow I'm stepping to your toe to toe I should be scared Alright, let's wrap things up there Um Thank you all for gearing up for this extra long episode on one of the most thrilling movies of the year, Top Gun Maverick. We will be recording on another exciting release, Glass Onion, next week. So please send us all of your thoughts and theories and joys of that once it drops on Netflix. But in the meantime, uh, Mike, where can people find you on the internet? You can follow me on Letterboxd and read my homoerotic reviews of Top Gun Maverick at mricardi. I love this side of Michael. Will you be more prominent in shipping conversations with me in the future episodes? Yeah, if we're covering the original Top Gun. <laughs> or Lord of the Rings. Or Lord of the Rings. Or Lord of the Rings. <laughs> um, you can follow me on Twitter at Kate underscore Wyatt. You can't follow me on Letterboxd. Michael said if I tried to share it with you guys, he would strap me into a fighter jet, send me off into the sky go over Mach 10, maybe like Mach 12, and then let me explode into a million particles in the air. But Mike would also die. But then I would have a death dream, and I would think about all the unfulfilled things I haven't done in my life. And and you would get to sail a boat with Penny. So are you really missing out? I think I want to sail a boat with Namor from Wakanda Forever. (laughs) Well, you can find me on Twitter at Mike Romante. You can follow me on Letterboxd at Truthy Marante with less homoerotic reviews of Top Gun Maverick. And then you can follow our podcast on Letterboxd, Twitter, or Instagram on all three. We are at Chaos on the Set. I ain't worried about it right now.